Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are both from the fabulous year 1978. They're Patrick and The Fury. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So that's a good reason for uh, getting your ass kicked right there. That's that's one of those bands that uh, changed a lot. Because their, their first awesome. album attracted one particular group of people and then by the time that album came out it was just a completely different group of people listening to that band i feel as though that was a prime example of a band that was very angry at the world and then got successful and rich and they're like oh we're not not that mad anymore <laughs> have to make way happier music <laughs> let's, let's write a song about a kid picking up doo-doo on the street yeah come on talk about original prankster you want they had a song called original prankster uh actually, video, the one, the one the i'm vi- talking about is don't pick it up the name of oh well the video for original prankster had a kid picking up dog poop and making like put it on someone's sandwich or some nonsense huh. it's, a big, saw- it's just a big shift getting to pretty fly from a Y guy white guy from uh, a song about road rage and murdering somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens when you, you go get back millions of dollars Smash, put in your bank account. I think even day. Smash, though, the latter half of that album actually has some pretty upbeat songs on it. You can kind of see where they were at it, even though the topics are still things they're angry about. Mm. We have to log off and listen to Offspring now. So I saw them live with uh, Dropkick Murphy's opening. That's a weird mix. That was great. When did you see that? Uh, this would have been like seven, eight years ago. It's up in Chicago. It's oh, pretty cool. Uh, it'd be awesome. right after that. Uh, one of those uh, is right after that dance fucker dance song. So whatever that was popular. Not well for me. Sorry. I don't really know what things are popular and what things aren't popular. So. Hi. <laughs> once. Uh, they went weak. I abandoned them for the much more hardcore band, uh, Power Man 5000. <laughs> <laughs> I do own the first Power Man 5000 uh, album. See, they made it two. They made it in two albums, and then all of a sudden, there. after that, you were like, okay, this got real weird all of a sudden. <laughs> I, yeah. want, I want more weird uh, pseudo- punk new metal stuff about uh, space battles. And now you're writing serious stuff and I don't like it.
<laughs> I was just, uh, I was kind of freaked out when I found out that Spider was Rob Zombie's brother. Makes sense. Yeah. You think that band would have got anywhere without that? Probably not. Probably not. Kind of like the band uh, Edema. Do you guys remember Edema? No. They had no. like a couple big songs on MTV and stuff, but their lead singers, uh, 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 what's his name? Jonathan Taylor from Corn. It's his little brother. Corn did the. Uh... The theme song for the Twilight Zone in the 2000s. And it was pretty terrible. I did not know that. Yeah. Meaning the theme song. There was a couple episodes of the 2000s Twilight Zone that I somewhat enjoyed. I have nothing so, yeah. to add to that. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Everybody have fun this week? Eh. I'm so sleepy. <laughs> Does that mean you didn't watch the thing? <laughs> did you did you finish Stranger Things for this week? I did. I did finally finish. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, oh time. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but good lord. I'm already I'm already over season three. I'm already thinking about season four. Come on. Catch up, Noah. Well, we can have it. We can have a discussion in our in the appropriate segment of the show. We can have a discussion about uh, where we think it's headed. I've I've started going to the gym, and what? And, yeah, who's last, this? I, I have not missed a day in the last two weeks. I get up at five o'clock in the morning every day, and I go to the gym before work. Oh fuck! That sounds terrible. It's actually not so bad, except for, like, last night is D&D night, so I was up a little bit later than normal, and so whenever I got up in the morning, my brain wasn't functioning, and I got all the way to the gym, and I was like, I didn't bring my fucking work clothes, and I had to turn around and drive all, because and it's all the way on the other side of town. <laughs> Sucked. See, that's what you get for trying to be healthy and shit. Yeah, I'm trying not to die. I'm a fat piece of shit. So we watch these other movies, but I think we should just talk about Beastmaster again. <laughs> uh, we had plenty of conversation about Beastmaster. Yeah, but you any last minute it. sentences about Beastmaster you want to get out? Just do, do it now. I'm just saying we could just review it all over again and just pretend like we hadn't reviewed it. Did anybody not heed my advice and went and watched Beastmaster 2 after we finished recording last week? No. Uh, I believe once we get to the final segment, you will find that I did not watch uh, much of it. Oh, good lord. This is going to be a short episode again. Unless we just ramble at the beginning like this for a longer time. Yeah. We can get into a fight about one of the movies if you want. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen on my end. but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe you should tell us about the movies. Hey, Doug, you want to tell us about uh, Patrick? Uh, sure. So, movie opens with this guy murdering his mom and her boyfriend, who are weirdly in the bathtub even though, together, even though he's in the next room, which I think kind of means they had it coming a little bit. Um, uh, after fast they forward were three years later, that guy riding up against this wall. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't feel their behavior was appropriate. 
Yeah, his mom kind of kind of deserved to die. You don't do that to your kid. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, deserve to die in movie standards. If you if yeah, you hear movie. parents fucking, please don't murder. Yeah, yeah, movie movie standards, not not real people. Movie people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so three years later, kid has been in a coma that whole time. By kid, I mean like I don't know. <laughs> 40-year-old man. Was he 17 or 40? I don't know. It's Australia in the 70s, man. I can't be expected to know how old people are. Yeah, I had no idea. I couldn't, um, couldn't tell. So he's, he's, uh, he's, he's been in a coma for three years. So he's three years older than he was in those opening scenes. That's how that's what we know for sure. Um, a new nurse is assigned to look after him. And he takes a liking to her and starts to use his psychic powers to communicate with her. It's revealed to the audience very very early on that he has uh, some telekinesis abilities, and as things as his liking for her goes stronger, he starts to use more and more of his powers to uh, go after anyone else that uh, has the nerve to get too close to her. And then there's a climax. It's not a plot heavy film when you think about it. We forgot to talk about so that. The film starts, very... You forgot to mention that he starts spitting, and she uses that as a way to communicate yeah. with him. Well, <laughs> yes, that's just, he can't speak, so he uses that, and they do the typical once for yes, twice for no, so we do get scenes of him going t- 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 for a while, which is a little awkward. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you have to give that actor a little bit of props, because he manages to hold the same facial expression the oh entire God. movie, which is impressive. And that facial expression could only be described as reaction face from seeing a YouTube video of like a guy's ball sack being attacked by hornets. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like I, <laughs> the the issue I have with what you with what you just said is it give him a little bit of credit? No, huge amounts of credit. That would have been an amazingly difficult performance to pull off, unless that's like a real dead body that they got laying there. <laughs> It's uh, that must it, have been very very difficult. Uh, it does not diminish his performance, uh, but I did read that they gave him these special eye drops that made it so you don't really have to blink for like a minute. So, okay. yeah, it made it easier to leave his eyes open. But I mean, still, to not like I didn't even see him breathe it, and I didn't see him do nothing. He did an awesome job. It's, yeah. And still, for an, like for an hour and forty-seven minutes, or however long this movie is, mm-hmm. to have that much screen time—he's on screen a lot, and you never see him blink once—I think is a huge accomplishment. Even some eye drops and that, I don't—I don't begrudge him that assistance. Mm-hmm. So let's let's—is this a first-time watch for you guys? Have you guys seen this one before? First-time watch. First time for me. Okay, me too. Were you guys uh, just a little bit disappointed by this movie? Uh, I only have real one complaint about this movie, and I felt it was a little over long. Like I felt like it could have been cut down a little bit because this is almost like was an hour fifty eight minutes. So that's like a straight up like full two hour movie. I think this easily easily could have been an hour and a half and been fine. Other than that, I yeah, I don't. I wasn't really disappointed in any way. Um, The one thing that I thought would have been interesting would have been to not reveal to the audience so early that he had the telekinesis so that we would be 
like many of the characters in the movie don't believe the nurse when she's trying to tell them that he can communicate and that he can do certain things. And if that was revealed a little slower, I think that mystery might have been fun. But yeah. it's that's just not really a complaint I have about the movie, just kind of something I would have done differently. Yeah, I think mine mine was that so Patrick is one of those movies that he gets referenced all the time in other movies and pop culture and stuff. Uh, yeah. And so I was expecting more. I was like, well, clearly a lot of people like this movie because everyone references it. And then you finally watch it and you're like, oh, this is way more boring than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's a, this is a lot of people talking about a guy who might have psychic powers and not a lot of guy using his psychic powers. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that bothered me though. I think the atmosphere works quite well. I think the performances from everybody involved is are actually good. So, like watching this nurse kind of like snap when she uh when he starts like taking control of her typewriter and stuff, I think is all good. Um I guess if like if if to make Brian happy, you wanted to edit it down. I probably would have maybe taken out. You could have taken out the sort of weird love triangle type thing that creeps up, which is when she goes to another doctor for help. She's in the middle of a divorce for people who haven't seen the movie, and then she goes to another doctor for assistance, and that becomes a romantic thing. So she's kind of going back and forth between the two guys. And you, you could have done without that, but I don't think it was done poorly or anything. I just. I do like my probably my most favorite part of this entire movie is her husband getting stuck in that elevator and he spends half the movie stuck in an elevator. He's, he's stuck there for a while. The, the last, what, 40 minutes of the movie or something, he's in that elevator. And when they finally let him out, he's just like, it, look, it looks like one of those scenes where they let a prisoner out of solitary confinement. He's just like curled up in the fetal position on the floor. He looks up, his hands are, are all bandaged because they got burnt earlier in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, he's a rapey douchebag, so... Yeah, spending half a movie in an elevator yeah. is all right. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it's, I don't know if he was. Rape, I don't know if he's rapey by the standards of the time. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Not condoning his behavior throughout the film, where he kind of like sneaks into her apartment and jumps into the bed with her and holds her down and stuff like that. And her reaction is to say, "Are you done?" And Which, he's like, "Oh, yeah. that ruined the mood." Like, like this has happened several times. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm saying by 1978 movie standards, I don't know that that's how it was intended to come across. Sure. We, we seem to end up having this conversation a lot because of the types of movies that we review. But <laughs> it's, it, it, just, it just is what it is when you watch stuff from this era. You're going to have to put up with a lot of guys with their shirts up and you have to see their chests and they're going to be acting all rapey. That's just how it is. Uh, so was anybody else trying to figure out if that pool party was a swingers party or? Sure seemed like it. <laughs> Her friends I, trying to like, I, I come to this was... pool party, and then yeah, people are just making out in the pool topless. Yeah, it's the seventies. <laughs> okay, just, is that last like? Go ahead. I was just say it was that last kind of hurrah. 1978 is that last little moment right before people found out about AIDS and had to stop just having sex with whoever, whenever. Mm. That that sweet, sweet period. <laughs> AIDS came along. AIDS came along and ruined it for everybody. So it it really did. 
it, at the end of the movie, after the climax and after the the hilarious five minute scene of the uh, main doctor trying to chop down that door and being stopped by a terrible sound effect. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. The sound effect was was of its time, but I thought I liked the idea that he's swinging it an axe at a door and he can't get through it. And then you see the close up of the axe not hitting the door, and you're like, oh. That's fun, and that character doesn't understand what the hell's going on. It's it's delightful. And then, uh, so, but during those last few scenes, the IV stand gets knocked out that window, right? And the IV stand is directly up against a broken neon sign, which they keep panning out to, and really, really loud doing a sound effect of electricity, like Mm -hmm. that stand is now electrified. And they yeah. do that maybe six times in that final little setup, and then nothing ever comes of it. That's no. correct. Do you think they deleted something there? Like, they deleted a scene, or they changed their mind? Because what, what the fuck is up with that? I was like, you guys just pointed to this like eight times and then never used it. That is a well, weird, pointless device. And they for- they foreshadowed the broken neon sign early in the film as well, right? They referenced it a couple other times earlier in the movie. Right. So you're like, okay, what's that? What's Why is that going to matter? And I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> other than not- just... <laughs> They just wanted it to say yeah, trance every just, time he was every time he was in one of his little moments. Yeah. So, for the viewer at home, the en on entrance were burned out. So, <laughs> trance, very clever. Maybe he's just a big fan of house music. <laughs> it's plausible. Yeah. So, what do you think of this movie overall, Doug? So, no, I'm. Not- I, I liked it quite a bit. I Like I say, I thought the performances were good. I thought the atmosphere worked quite well. Um, it Yeah, again, it's 1978 Australian films. They tend to be a little slower moving, and I can understand where Noah's coming from, given his preferences. Um, but I, it, that didn't bother me in the least. It turns out I'm actually a fan of this director. I just found this out because I just decided to check while I was waiting for you guys to log on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you go to his... Uh, he directed uh, this. He directed the movie Road Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australian film from the early 80s. He directed Link, which is, mm-hmm. of course, one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> Psycho Part 2, which I think a lot of people are fans of. He did a bunch of stuff that I liked back then in the day. And uh, I... I I don't know, like I say, it works for me, the atmosphere and everything. I can understand why it might be too slow for someone else. But I thought the pacing was good. So, yeah, it's it, it really comes down to the fact that I like the performance from the guy that plays Patrick the most, which is just as silly as it is. Um, he just kind of lays there the whole movie, but I think if... He's really good I think it's hard working. to pull that off and still... Yeah. But I, I don't. It sounds weird to say that, but like his whole his appearance, that facial expression he has on his face, the whole movie, it, it all kind of works, and it's creepy and weird. And I like stuff that's creepy and weird. So I was pretty impressed. I'm having trouble getting a feel for how you enjoyed it, Brian. Was it something you liked um, or didn't like? Well, something you said actually encapsulate, encapsulates what I like about it. I really like the atmosphere of it. Like I said, I do feel okay. like it was a little longer than I felt like it needed to be. But um, 
I enjoyed everything else. You know, some of the crazy shit towards the end was awesome, like the the nurse getting trapped in the uh, the uh, yeah. electricity room, whatever you want to call it. And she yeah. ends up like getting fried because she gets all tangled up in the wires. It, the last like whatever it is, twenty minutes when shit starts mm-hmm. to go crazy when the the main character nurse there, I forget all their names. Um, the last, it's probably about the, the last her third and the, the, the doctors. Yeah, like for around the time they sneak. They, well, I guess it's around the time that the nurse gets fired. That's mm-hmm. when the movie kind of kicks up, and now she's sneaking in, and now the cops are involved, and all this other weird shit is happening. And that's around the time that that guy gets trapped in the elevator for the rest of the movie. And uh, it, yeah, it, it really picks up its pace at that point. And I think it'd be it's hard to argue against this movie from that point forward. But I can see why it, the slow pacing might be difficult for some people before. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed the, that last whatever it is third. It was just every moment of it. Like when he started, like because there's that weird part where she touches his penis. Which I found super that creepy and weird. weird. So that was like the that was like one of the rapier moments in the movie for me, where she's trying to figure out if you, you feel do like feel that, don't you? Different places. <laughs> yeah, because she because she because like you know this like cute young nurse grabs her immobile patient who's been laying still for three years by the penis, and when it gets hard, that surprises her. Um, <laughs> The whole thing was weird, but then when he started, when he took control of the typewriter and forced her to type weird, strange things that included, I have to go now, Patrick's waiting for his hand job. <laughs> I'm like, that was a great little moment. I found that to just be fantastic. <laughs> She's like, God damn it. It was it was just sort of funny to watch her facial expression too, where she sits there typing away, and she pulls out the thing, and it would be like you'd see her face be like, "What the hell?" And then the camera would show you what she typed. And you're like, "Nice." <laughs> I don't think that's what she intended at all. I like the fact that the hand job thing has to happen twice in the movie too. Not like it can just happen once. <laughs> No, because she tries to she tries to show the other doctor. She's not even embarrassed about the fact that she did that to a comatose guy. <laughs> like, like uh, oh, he's not uh, reacting. You better wake him up. Oh, I know. I'll grab his dick again. <sighs> the the um, part of the movie I didn't understand was Patrick's motivations. Like, why did he not try to communicate with anyone else over the course of the preceding three years? Why did he? you know, go so hardcore with her just because she is it just because he kind of fell for her? But that was weird, I thought. She touched his penis. I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because we know that he, it's implied, one of the things I thought was really funny was that the one guy implies that he plays chess with Patrick and everyone thinks he's just a crazy guy because that's he is another patient at this institute where they're all being housed. And everyone's like, oh, Oh, he's just nuts. He thinks he plays chess with Patrick, but he also thinks he knows how to fly, kind of thing. And uh, as the movie progresses, I'm like, I bet you Patrick does play chess with that guy. That's what I think is happening. <laughs> I'm like, I think he's just just moving chessboards with his brain and letting everyone else think that guy's nuts. <laughs> Seems about right. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> there was a planned but never filmed sequel called "The Man Who Wasn't There." Um, 
Apparently, it was going to involve a religious cult that finds Patrick's corpse and revives it back to a comatose state. And then Patrick would start to haunt and menace okay. another woman. So they don't even bring him back to like life life. They just bring him back to where he's in a coma. I'd be like pissed. I'd be like, what the fuck? Uh, given the nature of his powers, like he can control shit that's nowhere near him and he knows what's going on in other buildings and stuff. Because he knows what's going on at the swingers party. And he causes the doctor to get a cramp or whatever the hell the scene was supposed to be doing. <laughs> Yeah, like the the doctor's trying to get her to jump so, in the pool, and she's like, "I just ate." It's like that doesn't mean nothing. But then he thinks again. Hey, man, in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, uh, up until around nineteen eighty nine, the everyone believed that if you went to if you went swimming shortly after eating, you would just die. You'd just be you'd be swimming, you'd make it about halfway across the pool, and then just die. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know where that came from or why it was so widespread, but it was like a really big deal. My my understanding, I when I was a kid, my the kid across the street had. A, I was gonna say my my that? understanding of it is that it's a wives' tale that was actually originally started because if younger children eat and then go swimming and exert themselves, that they would throw up in the pool. And so instead of being like, hey, don't go swimming, you'll throw up in the pool and then we'll have to clean your gross body juices out of there. They were just like, hey, if you go swimming within 30 minutes of eating, you'll get a cramp and die because parents are fucking terrible. That's, that does sound like how people would parent. Because you remember being kids, you'd be like, you'd eat and then you'd want to go swimming and you'd be like doing the countdown, watching the clock, like right. desperate. Right, and then I think I think just over time, I think that that bullshit, it just people started to believe that bullshit and told their kids the same thing for. Yeah, that makes me wonder what things I do for safety that are complete lies that just my parent, my parents' parents convinced them, and they convinced me. And fuck this! Tomorrow I'm going to cross the street without looking both ways and see what happens. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that's going to skip out on. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, any other favorite moments? Eh, not really. I mean, the part where they <laughs> randomly stabbed that frog in the neck—I thought that was unnecessarily cruel, but oh. it was kind of a fun moment. I don't think that was real. Hopefully, but I was I don't think like, so. "Oh, oh, what are you doing? That's not right." Frog didn't do anything to you. I'm now destroying its brain. I'm now destroying its spinal cord. Okay, I think you got it done with the brain, yo. (laughs) (laughs) The part of that thing that was weird was like the weird, like convenient movie setup moment where they're just like they're in Patrick's room discussing Patrick's, like the fact that he moved and he's trying to explain the concept of like muscle reactions and stuff. And then like a nurse just walks in, she's like, I've got your frogs. She just hands him a bucket of frogs. It's like, oh, that's good. I need one of those to make a point right now. If you watch the scene closely, after he like he kills that one frog and tells the nurse it's her job to clean it up, he leaves. He doesn't take the other frogs with him. I think the only I think it's just like if you hear me arguing with the new nurse, just bring us some frogs. It'll be fine. It'll all make sense. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How fucking weird did you guys think the uh, the job interview scene was? <laughs> She's like starts asking her all the personal questions about are you married? No, are you are you a lesbian? Are you divorced? Why are you getting divorced? 
It's like, uh, I'm not sure those would be allowed in today's day and age. Jesus Christ. Is someone, like, punching their microphone? Stop it. Sorry. I believe that sounds is. like Noah. Yep. <laughs> that that would have been my cat chewing on the microphone cable. Oh, gotcha. Um, and I was going to say, and then when the doctor right. comes in and she's like, well, she has an unstable marriage. It's like, what? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I would guess. I don't know how it works in Australia, but I think in most civilized countries, she would just be like, yeah, give me the job now or I just sue you tomorrow for your discriminatory <laughs> questions. <laughs> it's like, these are your options. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy my new hospital when I own it. Well, that's, that's only the American legal system where you'd actually own the hospital no. at the end of the lawsuit process. No, that's all I know. But, to, and that, but that, the, the best part of that was after they, they're like, fine, the doctor's like, ah, hire her. I, I didn't hear the answer to any of her weird <laughs> questions, but hire her. And then just, when can you start? How about like this second? Fine, we have a uniform and back. And now we'll put you in charge of this patient and leave you there with no supervision and no training on like the specific policies of this hospital or anything. <laughs> Jesus, seventies. You can get away with a lot. Uh, you can just watch this movie and find that. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I mean, everything from the sexually assaulting the, the. I mean, really, that girl is like a weird sexual assaulting circle, right? She gets attacked. She she goes after Patrick. But in neither case do the victims seem bothered by it. It's like, uh, I bet you they don't do that in the remake. Mm, probably not. Uh, all right. Well, Noah, do you want to tell us about the Fury? Uh, so the Fury is uh, a movie about several weirdly interconnected <laughs> subplots that don't fully <laughs> resolve, <laughs> involving a CIA agent and his uh, uh, attempted murder although they know he's not dead and then his son's kidnapped and you find out it's because the son has psychic powers and they want to like get in on that action. And uh, so the guy's looking for his psychic son and then there's a girl and she also has psychic powers. And then there's a weird group home for people with psychic powers where they want to test her, but then they're interconnected with this other group who stole the son. And then dude and psychic girl go on a road trip uh, to save the sun but it turns out the sun's been evil this whole time because apparently in the 11 months that he was missing he's become super powerful with his mental powers and, and super bonered over this uh, doctor lady who he's uh, upset doesn't want to have sex with him so he murders a bunch of people and then uh, yeah and then they like all die except for the psychic chick <laughs> who scanners the shit out of the last bad guy. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like somebody watched scanners and then went, Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I didn't realize this was, this was a De Palma movie. And so when his name popped up, I was like, Oh shit, I know what this means. This means it's going to be overly long. And it doesn't need to be. Turns out I was right. 100% correct. 
a lot. There's a lot of superfluous plot in this movie that just doesn't need to be there. I mean, the yeah, ending, I, the ending's so, pretty cool. It just takes a while to get there. Yeah. I Similar to the last movie, I think I liked almost everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, yeah, like they could have edited it down. There's a scene early on, so when we first meet up with Kirk Douglas's character um, when he's back in Chicago, so after the assassination attempt in Israel, he's back which, in Chicago. and we, Which, even and, though it should go without saying, I'm going to say it anyway, Kirk Douglas is fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. I don't know him from a lot. Me so neither. Watching this, I was like, okay, I know that that guy's a respected actor, but I'm like, I don't I don't know if he's a good actor or not. He's fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. He looks. Um, he looks. He goes like, through that whole. He looks like the greasy drug addict version of like the in like Flint character. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the point I was gonna make is that he just he goes through a whole thing where he kidnaps a family, dyes his hair a different color, dresses up like an old man to try and escape, mm-hmm. and then he gets outside and he doesn't escape. <laughs> And you're like, okay, that's interesting. But in a movie that's a full two hours long, that really slowed some things down for nothing to really happen. Yeah. Like the whole scene was kind of pointless. He's he's running away from whoever these authority figures are supposed to be. I don't know if they ever named the organization that they actually work for. But he's running away from them. And then like 20 minutes of plot and then he's still just running away from them at the end of that nothing really happened it felt like filler but it wasn't they didn't need the padding room you know so and it but it was really well done i enjoyed watching him interact with that family i thought him escaping from the the guys by jumping over to the next building and then kind of disappearing into one of the windows was a neat idea Um, all, all that worked really well i just you could have not had it happen and the movie would have been not changed in any way as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the opening scene where they're just hanging out on a beach and then uh, all of a sudden like terrors yeah. show up and just start shooting people. You're like, what the fuck? And then Kirk Douglas, yeah. you know, beats the shit out of some people, jumps in a boat. Then the boat explodes. But then we find out Kirk Douglas is okay. I was like, this is fucking yeah. awesome. But then, yeah, it slows way down after that. Well, and I think because it's Kirk Douglas, he does such a good job of, like, I don't know, you really got a feel for the relationship between the father and son in that opening scene. Just that thing, they're just having, like, a swimming competition, and he doesn't want to admit that his kid's finally faster than him and stuff. And it's... I think it's just performance-based, because I can't think of anything else that would make me feel this way, but I I really got a feel of, like, okay, I, I don't really know where the mom's gone but it's clear that these two are kind of alone together and that they've got this really tight relationship and the fact that Kirk Douglas is is trying to get him to move back to Chicago is obviously like we learn later why he would want to be want him to be there and stuff and it's like we're learning all these little little details about these guys that kind of fill out why Kirk Douglas is going to go on this mission for the remainder of the movie to save his son, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it, it, you can it, it's setting up the motivation for why he's doing everything else he's doing because there's like an eleven month time gap or something that happens, and it's like okay, so we are just to believe that he spent that entire eleven months doing nothing but searching for his son, and I believe that because of the opening scenes performances. 
Mm. Well, nothing but searching for his son and banging a nurse in a in a shagging wagon. <laughs> yeah. And that that felt a little forced to me. Like I wasn't sure. Okay, so he's sleeping with the nurse, but he's also getting information from her about what's going on inside this institute where he believes his son is. Or, or at least his son was, and now the son has been taken out. So he's like, is he banging her for the information? Or is it just a coincidence? Or, you know, maybe what? that's something that if they wanted to make it long, they could have explored that a little bit. I mean, I thought they kind of spelled it out that it sounds like he in started like a relationship with her specifically to get the information, but that he ended up actually liking her. Yeah. Okay. And getting her hit by her. And I mean, that, like, yeah. I mean, later he does get her killed a little bit, but, uh, another, yeah, like, I, like, I guess it, that's not a, it's not far fetched for by movie logic that they, he would have started a relationship with her just to get information would have fallen for her and then would have revealed to her why, what information he was trying to get and get her on board kind of thing. But we don't, I don't know, that's almost something we maybe should have seen rather than just having an 11 month time get time jump. Yeah. I will say this is like, for me, a very early example of the thing where they do the multiple storylines and then all of a sudden they kind of converge towards the end of the movie. I don't think that that was as common back in the 70s as it would have been later on. Yeah, because this this is not an Italian movie, right? No, no. It's Brian De Palma. I assume that means it was made in the U.S. That's, well, that's what I'm saying, and it plays very much like a '70s movie, like in the fact that it's kind of just disjointed and it just goes from one thing to another thing, and then at some point they go, "Okay, this movie needs to be over now." <laughs> but it wasn't in the sense of like, okay, so we after we meet the Kirk Douglas character and we spend some time with him, we cut to girls on a beach. And we follow that the psychic girl for much of the movie. We're following her. Hell, it's it's ten minutes of them walking and talking with the camera lingering on their butts. Yeah, and then when that's over, they reveal that they're seventeen just to make you feel bad about yourself. Right. Um, <laughs> Which apparently Jim Belushi was in the background of that scene as an extra. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I didn't. I didn't see him. I. I'm not that surprised, but I did kind of, I liked the way they kind of jumped over and were following her story now. And it's, here you go, Noah. It's kind of like in Beastmaster where it's like, they're both doing their own thing, but eventually they meet up and they end up on the same journey together. Right. So it's, uh, I'm I thought that pointed that we don't have psychic ferrets. <laughs> it's like this was a, this was a much more serious and uh, thought provoking film. That's why psychic humans instead of psychic ferrets. Um, yeah, but I, I thought that worked really well. I thought the idea that kind of like as she learned about his son, she sort of joined his mission, like because she ends up having that weird psychic connection to the son, even though he's no longer physically in the institute with her and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was all very interesting. I do like the fact that her psychic powers manifest as if she touches someone, she like can see shit. And then they start bleeding from all their <laughs> all their holes and skins and shit. Yeah. That stuff was awesome. I really like that part. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Every element of that was cool. And the way some of it was shot was really fantastic, where they'd have her like kind of in the foreground, almost like she was standing in front of a blue screen with a scene happening around her. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really 
really well done. Um, I just, especially like using 70s technology where they wouldn't have had really good green screen stuff they could have just done. Um, I thought it worked extremely well. So yeah, I mean, everything involving her using her psychic powers, I thought worked. I thought the, even the like silly high school introduction of her high school powers stuff where she notices that one of the other girls is pregnant or something like that. I mean, even that worked for me as like kind of an introduction to this character and kind of establishing that we're dealing with a teenage girl here. And therefore when shit starts to get real, she's not acting particularly rationally. Well, you wouldn't expect mm. her to. She's not prepared for this. Yeah, and everybody she keeps touching starts like bleeding to death. Yeah, yeah. She kind of reminded me of like Rogue, actually. Yeah. And then like it, she gets taken to Xavier's like evil CIA-run school for the gifted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess some of the stuff that I also had an issue with is like how connected everything is, which is convenient, I guess. But I mean, I guess if they're sort of specifically de dealing with psychic teenagers i guess that's kind of a limited limited scope maybe but well it's also revealed that uh, kirk douglas was following this girl specifically right because he yeah. was trying to find somebody who was going to be taken into this institute so we can have an in kind of thing yeah and yeah but it's just kind of weird that she, of course she's specifically connected psychically to the, his son for whatever reason yeah but I mean, I, so i think the in-movie explanation for that is that the two of them are both like extremely powered compared to the other people that are in that institute are kind of at a much lower level and mm -hmm. that's why the son has been it was so important for them to get the son and that's when the reveal kind of comes that they killing off the father to kind of isolate the son so that they get out full control over him and stuff. I think that starts to make sense. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I, like, uh, I, just so we're clear, I don't have a problem with anything about the way the movie went. I didn't mind it being as slow as it was. No. Like, I acknowledge that it was slow. I acknowledge we spent a long time on scenes that didn't necessarily add up too much. Um, I just... I enjoyed watching those scenes, so it didn't bother me. The only element that didn't work for me was the occasional inclusion of like slapstick comedy, um, which was weird. I thought so. There's like in that opening scene when he's dressed up as the old man. There's like they're chasing, they're going down alleys, and then they keep running into that same guy. That like every time he's like just putting his garbage cans back up, the next car comes by and knocks him down again. And I'm like, are, are we watching Bugs Bunny for two seconds in the middle of this kind of thing? And then it kind of ends with his uh, his pillow that he's using as his costume falls out and his pants fall down around his ankles. <laughs> like I, that's not funny given the context. That might be funny in a different movie. Yeah, I, can def I definitely see that. Uh, another question, because I'm still not sure what happens. Whenever he abducts the two cops... Yeah, when he's letting them go, is he in that car? Does he just drive that car into that lake for no reason? Sure does. Yep. It's, it's kind of fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think because doesn't he? He says something like, "This time, follow me" or whatever is the message that he leaves behind for his nemesis. And I think the the concept is that he's saying like, like, because he went off in that boat and they tried to kill him, and now he's like, "This time, follow me into the water." Is his kind of tough guy line. I don't know how well it works. Because it seems like 
the guys that helped him, he just destroyed that guy's car for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Dennis Franz keeps telling him, please don't hurt my car. And then he's like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to drive it in the river. This is what you get for being a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's things I liked about this movie. I guess I just wish uh moved along a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I can completely understand that statement, even yeah. though. But And, like, again, I, I tend to be a fan of this. This is a very 70s film. It's got that very sort of like we spend a lot of time with certain characters that don't mean anything plot wise. There's that like I don't know what she is made or whatever that works in the institute that spends a lot of time with the uh, the female psychic character, and we get like we spend a lot of time watching her do her thing, and she doesn't matter at all plot wise. Like she's just she's part of the institute's I don't know like the the way they've got it set up to make these people feel at home so that they can measure their psychic abilities and stuff. But she doesn't doesn't do anything other than just be there and like deliver sandwiches and shit. Wish I had someone to deliver me sandwiches. Oh, there you go. Maybe that maybe that was the wish fulfillment segment of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just bring them those big Sundays that one time that like tray full of like oh. Sunday stuff. <sighs> like this so. is great. Wish I was in a special gifted school for people with psychic powers. Yeah. If my parents had gotten me some psychic powers and as a kid I could have gone there too. Jerks. Um Yeah. I don't think I enjoyed this as much as I did, Patrick. I don't feel like the atmosphere is as good, but it has its has its charms. Yeah, this one was kinda of genre jumping, I found. Like there was times where it felt like kind of like a noir mystery movie. There was times where it felt sort of sci-fi, like with the government conspiracy and stuff. And there was other times where it was almost action-y. Like I say, they tried to institute comedy. None of that worked for me. Uh, we, we should probably talk about that ending, because, wow. Well, talk about a 70s ending to a movie. <laughs> well, I was going to mention that uh, I did like that uh, uh, Kirk Douglas just like machine guns that dude's arm. Like, yeah, it's like his best friend that turned out he was like, you know, had turned on him and was trying to kidnap his kid or whatever. And then he just picks up a machine gun like after he sneaks back and he's like, fuck this guy's arm. And he just like, da, 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 like just gets him right in the arm and then runs off. And he spends the rest of the movie with his arm in a sling. I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I like that. I'll, that, that had, again, it had a bit of a superhero film element to it. The idea of these like gifted kids being taken in and they think they're being nourished, but they're really being set up to be used as weapons kind of thing. That, you know, that was a real interesting sci-fi type plot that maybe didn't get enough examination because we were doing so many other things. Yeah, so that gets us to the ending, though. Which yeah, is... the ending is friggin' fantastic. When <laughs> So we're, we've already got the kid going full crazy at that point, like the Kirk mm. son, and he's just fucking murdering guys and trashing the place oh. picks, that one chick, that. picks that one chick up and just spins her around and she's ble- bleeding and flinging blood everywhere yep he sure does love <laughs> that um, so like I'm, I'm all happy that all that's happening and I'm anticipating like okay 
So then the dad's going to show up. Maybe they'll have like a touching moment where his dad has to talk him into stopping killing people or whatever. You know, typical movie stuff. Sure. But then when dad gets there, <laughs> kid just lunges at him and throws himself out a window and falls to his death. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I didn't anticipate. Oh, nope. Now the dad jumped to his death voluntarily because he's <laughs> upset about his son. All right. The, the, uh, the duo suicide at the end of film is an interesting way to go. <laughs> and then cut to the girl just fucking exploding. The guy that's been wrong. He already had only one good arm and now he just fucking explodes. And I'm like, Oh wow. That was fantastic. And I love that they're acting like this is there because it's the seventies. Like, see, it's a happy ending. She blew up the bad guy into a million little pieces. And I'm like, no, still our main character and the person he was trying to save are dead. And this girl who was like one of her more sympathetic characters is clearly mentally crushed from all of this. Yeah. Okay. They blew up the bad guy. It has not escaped from the compound that they're holding her in. And how do you no, guys, yeah, how do you guys interpret the blue eye thing? Uh, that he passed his evil onto her. See, I think a lot of see. I'm going with Highlander. That she just <laughs> that she, she gets more powerful. That she gets more powerful because he died. Ah, yeah, I would, be I would one. argue that because because the eyes were blue, not red. I would contend that it can't be evil passing. It has to be good powers passing. <laughs> Because I don't think this movie's advanced enough to try to use blue. To All, right. All right. So yeah, so, but I just, definitely think like yeah, she just ate that power she, up. Yeah, she's well, she's clearly more powerful regardless of why. You, yeah, uh, she just holds her hands exactly. out in front of herself and shakes and explodes people. Yeah. So I mean, it's not going to be hard for her to escape that institute at this point. I guess not. <laughs> she could probably leave when she wants. You stand in front of the door, she just blows you up and walks over your corpse. <laughs> but Yeah. You know, but, I, but I love yeah, we get no follow up whatsoever. It's just dude explodes, pieces fall in slow motion, camera stops on pieces on the floor, roll credits. It's like it, it shows it shows that body explosion <laughs> from at least thirty angles. Oh yeah. So, and so I'm assuming they had to shoot that a bunch of times because there's no way to get all those angles in one take. So they were like, fill another meat mannequin up. I believe I read they filmed it twice. Is that all? It's it's fantastic. And they do show a bunch of different angles. They're very proud of their work and I, they should be. <laughs> but it's, it, this ends up being like a weird like 70s origin story for like this weird psychic girl who may turn out to be a superhero or a supervillain. We don't know. But it's like all of this, which we thought was Kirk Douglas's story, was really her story. It was all about how she was going to end up. And just, we still don't know how she's going to use these powers now that she has them. Mm. You know, clearly she's willing to use them. Yeah. So, yeah, it says, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. So De Palma's, according to De Palma, the first time we did it, it didn't work. The body parts didn't go towards the right cameras, and this whole set was covered with blood. And it took us almost a week to get back to do take two. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. 
There was a, when they decided to go bloody in this movie, they went bloody. Like even the where the girlfriend character gets killed by the in the car accident, like she's just spitting blood up out of her mouth. <laughs> it's a lot of blood. I liked it a lot. Like she obviously didn't even get like cut or anything. She just like got thrown into a window, but suddenly, yeah, she's just like throwing, you know, spitting blood out all over the place. Yeah. All right. So I was so so on it. Sounds like you enjoyed it, Doug. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I think I clearly enjoyed both of these movies more than you guys no. because I do appreciate that seventies slower style of filmmaking. I, I can understand why that's not something that appeals to everybody. Usually it does. It's just this movie's, I don't know. I felt Maybe I felt like they could have compressed it without losing anything. Like I felt they were slow just to be slow for some reason. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But that's not unfair. Uh, so what about you, Noah? What do you think of this movie? Uh, it's okay. Uh, the ending's really good. All the stuff where like people are bleeding out of their fingernails and shit. And get down with that. Oh, fuck. I, I, I think it just it takes too long to get there, especially for stuff that doesn't like it. Just doesn't have any fucking thing to do with anything else. I don't know. <laughs> There's just shit thrown in this movie. I don't know. Yeah, there is like not a lot bad. Can you imagine if there was shit thrown in this movie? Nope. That's a whole another psychic scene. Yeah, they could just throw it without having to actually touch it. So. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So Noah, <laughs> I believe you said you didn't watch anything. Uh, I finished the last two episodes of Stranger Things. Yeah, that's it. That's that's it. I watched like two episodes of Jeopardy. Do you want to talk about Jeopardy? Good lord, we're not we're not gonna talk about Jeopardy. Uh, let's talk about Stranger Things, but maybe let's wait till the end of the show so we can just spoil the shit out of it. All right, all right. There are people on the Facebook that were hoping I had a timestamp on the last episode when we were talking about it, but. Told him it was non-spoilery since Noah hadn't finished it yet. So I know there's people that are still holding out before they they go through it all. All right. Well, Doug, did you watch anything? Uh, very little. Oh Jesus! So the only thing I watched um, that's kind of worth mentioning is uh, I rewatched The Craft from 1997. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of those movies I saw once when it was new, and I really didn't—it didn't have much of an impact. And I've found that over the years, the internet seems to un- unanimously enjoy that movie. So I thought maybe I'd miss something, mm-hmm. and then Amazon Prime recommended it to me. So I'm like, all right. Um, I don't think I missed anything the first time I saw it. I was pretty meh on the film. It's not bad. It's, I just don't understand why people talk about it so fondly. Like twenty some years after it came out, I'm just like it was just it was very predictable. The performances are all fine, none of them are great. The action's all fine. The predictability was probably the worst part about it for me. It was just I was just like I know exactly where this is going during the opening scenes and it's just uh 
a very kind of meandering way to get there, but when I guess if you'd never seen a movie before, you'd be shocked by it, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think very many people would be. So I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it because I whenever I mean it was neat when there was a bunch of dead sharks on camera that one time. But I don't know if there was I guess I guess like are you guys fans of the movie by chance? I've only ever seen it once. Yeah. And it was not too long after it came out on video, so I remember very little about it. Okay. I, obviously, it didn't resonate too much with me, otherwise I would have seen a lot more, probably. Yeah, I think we're probably thinking of it the same way. And like, we were right the first time, Ryan. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Turns out. Uh, I don't recall seeing it if I did see it. Maybe it's a maybe it's a girl movie. Like maybe a lot of girls are really into it. It could be it. I guess girls post on the internet too, right? So that's I guess why, that's why I think people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I I'm curious what people like about it that posts so fondly about it. But. Yeah, people should uh, go to our Facebook group and tell us why they liked it. Just curious. I have nothing against it. I haven't rewatched it, but. It, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nothing's intrigued me to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. And it sounds like I don't need to, according to Doug. No, I, I think it's like it's very standard. It's very '90s, which it'll have like you know. Mm. That's fine. That's when it was made. That's nobody's fault. But it's very '90s. But it's it plays out exactly like you think it's going to. So, like. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where even the way they cast the roles, it's like you can tell who's going to be the baddest of the witches and who's going to be the nicest of the witches just on who's playing what role. So, yeah, you don't get Feruza Bulk to play a perfectly fine, calm human being. No. But that would be an interesting twist to have her be the one that was a little bit more sympathetic or whatever. But then what would Nev Campbell do? Yeah, so... Anyways, yeah, I don't. Other than that, I watched uh, a bunch of the new season of Comedians in Cars getting coffee. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm continuing. I started an epic rewatch of, of Alf, and then I forgot that I did that, and then I remembered this week, so I watched a couple more episodes of Alf. <laughs> <laughs> Not with my kid, by the way. Just me alone in my basement watching oh, Alf. And you're like, oh, that Alf. It holds up way better than I expected it to. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just because uh, the guy that played the dad just died recently? No, I started watching, and then he died, and then I stopped watching so that none of the other actors in the show would die, because I <laughs> kind of felt responsible. And then that's when I remembered this week, I was like, because I was watching it through, I think, Tubi, and when I logged in, I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. I should watch another one. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to take for the premise to completely wear off, because it's kind of a one-note joke. Yeah. All I remember is the dad just going around going, no, Alf, not the cat. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Then Alf, like, does a phone order for something, but does it under the dad's name. And when the delivery comes, the dad's like, I didn't order this. Oh, wait, Alf. Like, it's that happens about once an episode. (laughs) The neighbor almost finds out about Alf, but she doesn't quite find out about Alf. Uh, The Achmonics? Yep. Yeah. So, I remember way more about Alf than I thought I did. 
You know what's really weird is as I, as I'm watching it, I'm remembering like exact moments, and I'm almost able to like repeat lines and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I guess when you were a kid, this was a very important show to me, and I just kind of forgot about it over the years. But well, interesting. Anything else? No, that's that's it. Jesus. Um, let's see. A couple weeks ago, me and Amanda tried to watch the new season of the Scream TV show that is not really a new season. I don't know. What is it? Is it like a reboot? Uh, well, you know, there's the MTV Scream, which I was actually kind of a fan of. Yeah. I thought it was pretty gory and stuff. And, you know, once you look past some of the melodramatic stuff, it actually wasn't too bad. Um,. So they did two seasons of that, and it ended the second season on a cliffhanger. And then someone decided, "Oh, well, this this isn't doing as good as we would like. So let's let's just cancel what we were doing, and let's give it to Queen Latifah's production company to do a third season." That seems like the right way to handle that. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, they made it. And so they went back to the classic costume for no real reason. Uh, but the only plus is they got the guy who did the original voice of the caller from the movies. Although I don't even know why that's a thing, but whatever. It's not relevant. Yep. And uh, yeah, and then they filmed another season. Uh, and then the whole Harvey Weinstein thing happened. So then it got shelled for for a while, for a couple of years. And then, seem, uh, that doesn't seem like a TV show was responsible for what Weinstein did. <laughs> no. Uh, but I think, didn't they... Uh, uh, didn't the Weinstein company get, like, re, uh, reshuffled or... Yeah. Bought, it was bought by another company and then... Yeah, so they're probably waiting for uh, contracts to get signed and all that, whatever. Um, and the VH1 decided, well, let's just put it out almost like three movies because it's like six episodes, and they're like, well, we'll just put put it so it's like two hours each night for like three nights in a row. And it's like, all right, seems like a lot of faith in this, apparently. So me and Amanda watched the first night, so the first two hours. Uh... Oh my god, it's pretty terrible. Set in a, uh, I don't know, a school, like a private school, sort of. I don't know. I don't not really know how to talk about this part, but it's just like the main character, of course, is like the uh, the uh, African-American kid that is like bust in because he got like a scholarship or some, I don't know, plot-heavy nonsense to make other kids at the school don't not like him. Okay. And then apparently his twin brother was killed when they were little, which is what the thing opens with, in a junkyard by some weird guy. And he was wearing the ghost face costume because it was on Halloween night. And now someone's wearing it and killing a bunch of people. But he's like, but my brother's dead, but maybe he's not. And I'm like, so your brother's been living homeless apparently in the middle of the city. Like, that's your thought of this whole thing? So, yeah. I don't know. It was just stupid and ridiculous, and uh, we haven't even bothered to watch the other two other two nights because it was 
pretty damn terrible. So that's a bummer. <sighs> Don't bother. Just go back and watch the movies. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's worth it. I and I wasn't a huge fan of the MTV series either. So mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't so. terrible, but it wasn't great. Yeah, not worth your time. All right. Uh, let's see. After that, um, oh, I watched a movie that. Uh, well, actually, I watched a couple movies that you talked about. Um, so a movie you kind of talked about a while ago called Hell or High Water. Right. Uh, we watched that the other night. Um, not much to say about it. it. The performances were amazing. The the story was amazing. Um, it's Chris Pine and uh, the hell's that dude's name? Oh, the one you really like. Yeah, the guy I really like. But now, of course, that you've asked me his name, I'll never remember it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I talk about him every now and again. <laughs> I'll bring it up and be like, that's the guy I meant last time. Yeah, so it's Chris Pine and this guy and their brothers. And before the movie had started, they are uh, their mother had died and she had signed some shitty uh, reverse mortgage with this bank in Texas. And so they have to pay, like, Ben Foster. Ben Foster is his yeah, name. right. So they have to pay this bank back like so much money before, I don't know. It's part of it seems like a Dukes of Hazard plot. It's like, oh, we got to pay the bank by Friday, or they're gonna take the farm, sort of thing. Um, so these two brothers decide the best way to do it is to rob this branch of banks, like this specific bank that has branches all over the area, to rob that, and then they have a genius idea to take the money to a casino um you know get chips maybe go play a couple hands of poker have a couple drinks and then go cash out yeah as i was watching i'm like that is brilliant that's a great great way to wash the money yeah it's the simplest form of money laundering there is yeah you would absolutely get caught uh i don't know about that if you went to casinos you would absolutely get caught. Think so? I work in BSA and I know how the reporting works. And if you walked into a casino with that kind of cash and started doing transactions, every one of those transactions gets reported. But if if you give them the benefit of the doubt to assume that they do the, they know which transactions get reported and do everything at a dollar below that. Uh, so let's say you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you do it on different days. If it's if it's over a uh, uh, x x amount of money, they have to record your personal information, right? They don't have to report it, but they have to record your personal information, which goes into a database. And if you came in, let's say, ten times in a month, and you brought in a thousand dollars less than what the reporting is, then they file a different report <laughs> saying that you're attempting to avoid reporting. Yeah, but in the movie, they're traveling to different casinos each time, right? I mean, you could. I mean, te- technically, you can do what's called microstructuring. Microstructuring is really difficult to detect, but the amount of effort you have to put into it—it's a—it's a lot of work. Well, it seems obvious that they don't—they don't do that. <laughs> they just bring in a giant pile of money and then cash it in for chips, and then sit at the bar with a giant three-tiered tray of chips, and then just go back and cash them in. But don't don't ruin don't ruin the structure, Noah. 
I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that's literally what my job is. But anyway, I thought it was it was pretty funny. Uh, the idea of doing that and then paying the bank back with their own money. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and it's how like because the one brother is like the Ben Foster character is kind of a criminal. Mm-hmm. Mine character is more of a straight laced dude. And that's how he's justifying it. He's like, these people were screwing my mom over, so it's okay for me to steal from them mm-hmm. to get out from underneath this situation that they created kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges and another guy, are, of course, are Texas Rangers. They're looking into these bank robberies and stuff. And, yeah, everybody does a fantastic performance. And, you know, it's fun watching them rob the banks. There's even a point where there's like people in there and they keep telling them like, you know, we're not robbing you. We're robbing the bank because the bank is insured. So they made it to the point that, you know, they're not looking at, they're not looking to hurt like regular people. They're just screwing over the bank. Cause even, there's, some, there's some line in there about how they don't, they take enough that, like they make sure that what they're taking is covered by the bank's insurance kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some line of the, about that. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. And then they, uh, was it, the, they go to interview a guy that was at the diner across the street and he's like, Oh yeah, I just watched the bank. They get, I just watched the bank get robbed. It's been robbing me for 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know. The whole movie is just, we like heisty type stuff. It, I mean, this is a little little more straightforward than a heist, but I mean, it's just sort of a fun story to, to watch, and it's, you know, dramatic and sad in parts, and I don't know. It's just, it's a good movie to watch. I think the performances were what carried that movie for me. Oh, for sure. It was kind of like when you've got these two forces, you got these brothers, and then you've got the agents that are obviously on a collision course for each other, but when it's mm-hmm. Chris Pine and Ben Foster on one side... Uh, Jeff Bridges on the other side. It's like, yeah, that's going to make for an interesting movie. Mm, yeah. And then uh, I won't spoil it, but just sort of the last scene I thought was amazing. Um, kind of a, a, a scene shared by Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine. Yeah. I just thought it was great and uh, it's a perfect way to wrap up the movie. So, yeah, it's worth a watch if you've been uh, kind of on the fence about giving it a, a watch or not, I would say it's definitely worth it. If, if you didn't watch it after I recommend it, you should watch it now. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that definitely, I think, I think I ended up buying it, <clears throat> buying it because you recommended it. Like it was on sale on Voodoo, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and Doug said that was good, so I'll just go ahead and buy that and have it in my library to watch later. So, it's worth it. <clears throat> so the other side of the spectrum were performances... Uh, were not what this movie was made of all about. Uh, I did go to the theater and saw Crawl. Okay. <laughs> but you did not feel that was a heavily performance-based film? I mean, it was, but I mean, it wasn't literally, I went to the theater because I'm like, I'm going to see some alligators eat some people, and that's exactly what I got in this movie. Yeah, luckily, that's what happens. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of ridiculous that what they had to do to get people to show up for alligators to eat them, but I mean, it was still entertaining. Yeah. I mean, when those guys are just robbing the store across the street, you're just like, 
there's no reason for them to be here except to get eaten. I can't wait to see which order they get eaten in. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I had a blast with that movie. <laughs> yeah, just don't... I mean, you're not looking for high art. You're literally just... Hey, there's some alligators. They're going to come and eat some people. Yeah. Which I find that house was one of the most inefficiently built houses I've ever seen. Like, okay, the house is like on, I don't know. I don't know if it's beachfront. It's at least on lakefront property in Florida where the hurricanes happen all the time. And you, your crawl space just has like... The little uh, the the brick ornamentation has holes in it to easily just let water flow right in every time. I think I'm not at all qualified to build or design homes, yeah. but I think there is a style of home that is designed to let a certain amount of water flow right underneath. Yeah, they're kind of up on stilts. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I'm like, it seems like it wouldn't really be a crawl space though. It would be like a more of like a. Well, I don't think it's. Like, I think the only reason you would crawl under there is to do repairs to the house. It's sure. Not, it's not used as storage or anything, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I just It just seems like the house would be sitting up even higher than what they have it here because there's not like a ton of room if there was a flood or whatever between the water rushing in and the water hitting the like the bottom of the, the inside floor. But I don't know. If it wasn't a crawl space, then the name crawl wouldn't make as much sense. So whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. I saw, I saw some alligators eat some people. That's all I really care about. So do you remember that when I said that one of my favorite scenes happens right at the end of the part where she finds the alligator nest? Can you guess which part I loved? Uh, oh, fuck. Try to remember what she did now. Okay, spoiler alerts for everyone out there, but the part where she, she's got the gun and the alligator bites her arm, and so she just starts firing the gun while it's inside his mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember now. That was pretty awesome. It was so dumb and so great. <laughs> uh, it's like, let's literally stick my arm down this alligator's mouth and then just unload like six shots into its head. Yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> Uh, it's such a ridiculous movie, but it's a lot of fun. I went, I had some popcorn, I sat and just laughed the whole time. It was good. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, recommend if you can watch it, watch it with somebody who won't appreciate it, because their facial reactions can be great, too. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't saw this by myself. I was, My wife had something to do, and I'm just like, I think I'm going to go see a movie. And she's like, oh, no, you're going to go to movies without me? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go see Crawl, the one with the alligators. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have no interest in seeing that. Go right ahead. Yeah, if, and that uh, my point I would make, and I think I said this before, it, it, if you're not interested, don't go see it. It's not going to convince you. It's not even going to try to convince people who are not immediately interested to no. enjoy it. It's not going to win you over. Uh the closest thing to drama in the movie is that when she's driving down to her dad's house, there's like she runs into the one cop that dated her sister in high school or something, and then later he gets eaten by an alligator. But I don't <laughs> yeah. like that. That was such filler. Just like, well, we need got to get this to eighty-five minutes or whatever, so the theaters will show it. <laughs> two more people we need. Two more people to show up and get eaten. 
Yeah. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Noah, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing next week? If I can remember. Uh, I do believe we're doing Hobo with a Shotgun and uh, Blind Fury for a little Hour Week. Yeah. Well, Rucker Hour, as we all, we all woke up, what was it, yesterday? And found out that he had passed away. Yeah. Uh, it said from a short illness, so curious what uh what went wrong. I don't know. I mean, yeah. in his mid seventies, he could have just got the flu. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's sad to say, but I mean, at some point, you get to a certain age and you get sick. You just things can go wrong, right? Oh yeah. But yep. uh, stuff can yeah. just happen out of nowhere. They're, they seem to be doing a better job of hiding it when our celebrities get sick now. That's so true. That when they die, it comes as genuine shock because you're not like waiting for it. Well, the article I read yesterday was like, yeah, it's confirmed by his manager and his funeral was held like Wednesday morning. And I'm like, but it's Wednesday afternoon. Like they already yeah. had the funeral. Nobody knew. Yeah, they must have. The family must have wanted it that day. Yeah. So. Like that's. That's the only thing. And if that's what they want, great. Like, mm. that's they, they should be treated however they wish to be treated in the circumstances. Some people want it a little more public, and some people don't. That's mm. up to them. For sure. It was just kind of surprising to hear that sort of like, oh, he died, and everything is sort of all wrapped up already. Yeah. It's like, what? All right. I was really surprised by the way it played out, but thank yeah. guys. Tribute to him next week. Yeah, so we're going to be talking, yeah, like Blind Fury and Hobo with a Shotgun. Two movies where he's a homeless guy that turns out to be a hero. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Blind Fury. I saw it on TV, like, when I was a kid. I barely remember it. But, uh, I know he's like a, he's like a blind guy that uses, like, a bow staff and, uh, teaches, teaches a kid who I think was on that show step by step how to, I don't know. I know there's like him hitting people with the staff, and you know some some evil people are after something and kidnap a kid or. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all make sense when we see it. Exactly. uh, It'll be fine. Yeah, I do. I do know both staffs are the weapon of choice for the blind. So if I've learned anything from watching movies, (laughs) if you're blind, get yourself a bow staff. So that's next week. Um, all right, do you want to talk about some Stranger Things season three? Oh yeah. So we'll say uh, from here on forward, it's spoilerific time for Stranger Things. So if you haven't watched it yet, feel free to pause it, and come back later. All right. So how did you enjoy your last two episodes, though? It was all right. <laughs> Thrilling. <and brilliant. laughs> I'm sure I'm glad we threw up that spoiler warning. Well. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, I'm not as angry about the uh, the singing never ending story as a lot of people are. People are angry about that. I have oh, not. People I have not angry. heard anyone be angry. About it yet. Really? That's really the biggest. Seen loves it. All of the things that I keep reading, they're like, that's about the point where it hit rock bottom, and you were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" In in which my opinion is that was fine and all they didn't need to do the entire song 
doing the entire song was too much. I say hot yourself. The whole my whole thing is I literally, as we're saying this, my screen just refreshed in front of me and it popped up another link to a story talking about how good that scene was. That's how (laughs) (laughs) that's how opposite the my Facebook feed is from Noah's. Um, But it's a what I think is the movie, the show has just accepted that all this is is like 80s porn at this point. It is just, guys, remember the 80s? You want to see some stuff from the 80s? We got some stuff from the 80s. And it's they're not trying to do anything else. And that moment is the epitome of that. So whether if you're in favor of that, it's probably the best moment of the series. Was, if you're against it, it's probably the worst. Was it is is two people singing the theme song to the never-ending story, the epitome of the 80s? Cause... It's the epitome of a show just being nothing but your memories of the 80s and trying to feed those back to you. And I like I have a feeling that if I loved the never-ending story, I would have loved that scene. I don't know that I've ever seen the never-ending story. So. It is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Yeah, that scene didn't bother me either. So... I, I like. I felt it went on a little too long, but then again, I don't know the song. Like I think a lot of people probably were singing along to it and stuff. Now I will say I did see Noah trolling people on Facebook. People <laughs> talking about it, and then Noah be like, "I'm here to ruin your childhood," and then put put the scene of the horse getting stuck in our, the mud yeah. and dying. Yeah, our tax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's unnecessary. I can't, I can't help it. I'll do it every fucking time. Somebody starts talking about the never-ending story, and like they're all like, oh, yeah, this dog looks like Falcor. Ha, ha, ha. We're all so happy. I'm like, Artax died. <laughs> Spoiler, Doug. That's, I didn't see it as a child. I'm probably not going back to it now. Yeah. Uh, remember, it's, not, it's not bad, but I need to rewatch it. Yeah, add it to the list. Um... I don't know. Was anybody fooled by the uh, the death at the end? Oh, the, the cop there? It's yeah. He's not dead. No. As soon as it happened, I'm like, that's bullshit. That's, that's not real. Well, yeah, I don't know. I th- I'm not... I'm, I don't think it was quite intended to convince anyone. Yeah. I mean, they... The post-credit sequence is pretty cheesy when they just say like, "No, no, not the American." The, the American, like, why? Uh, just show him in the cell. But I guess like for normies, maybe it'll work. I don't know. Really? See, my assumption is that's not him in the cell. Don't think so. I, I also don't think he's dead, but I don't think it's him in the cell because I think if it was him in the cell, I think they would have just shown him in the cell. So instead, they did that for you to go, ooh, he's alive, and then it's somebody else. So. so my theory was that he jumped through the gate, so he'd be stuck in the upside down until, well, next season when it gets opened back up again, as what happens with every season. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I was guessing, too. <laughs> that's what I was guessing until the post-credit sequence, and then I went, oh, yeah. he threw, and somehow he popped out in Russia. And maybe that's the scene of next season is him like walking through a field and finding a different opening and going out and being in Russia. Mm. Yeah, my guess is the American quote fingers is somebody from season one or season two. Oh, is a Barb? Is Barb back somehow? Somehow they found a way to bring her back to life? 
hits Barb, I think that, that'll be my jump to shark moment. <laughs> like, yeah, I think we're done here if they open that gate up for his first episode of season four. They brought back my demigorgon, though. I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. They maybe condense it back down for next season, bring it back to just, just the one. Yeah, I don't know. They've, they've said next season will be quite different. So yeah. I'm curious to see how that goes. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if it takes them a year and a half to make this, it's going to be hard to convince me that those are still children because they're getting older. They're getting quite a bit older. Well, I think from what I heard, this would be a time jump. Like, yeah, okay. Three or four year time jump. So they're going to do like it and they're going to have them all kind of come back as older <laughs> versions to refight the battle. I guess so, since uh, Will and his family moved along I- with Levin. The funny thing is, I was waiting for a death at the end, and instead of Hopper, I was like, I wonder if they'll kill L, because that would, I think that would be the most impactful thing you could do, be like, L dead, and everybody would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, but they kind of did that the first season, right? Where she got sort of, I don't know, drugged back into the Upside Down, and we're like, oh, we're never going to see her again, until we saw the dude leaving Egos out in the woods. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to predict where they're going to go. I was kind of surprised by the moving away at the end. I didn't anticipate no. the leaving. Luckily, their performances were good, because otherwise a bunch of teenagers crying about their breakup could be a really bad way to end a show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, Wynonna Ryder really needs to quit dating. Right? <laughs> Things are not going well. It is not a good track record she has at this point. <laughs> the funny thing is, all season I was, we were as we were watching it, and it, Hopper kept like hitting on her. You know, or they were just playing up that they were trying to maybe put them together. I just looked at Hopper. I'm like, you're no Bob. <laughs> Fuck you, Hopper. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think I did hear one podcast say that the the best part of fiction of this series is the fact that the theater for Day of the Dead was so crowded that they had to sneak in. It's funny. (laughs) I was like, oh, come on. Just just let them have fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that. I'm sure if you go back, a lot of those movies were not in theater all at the same time either. It seems kind of (laughs) far-fetched, but... (laughs) I was I was really excited about that scene just because Day Day of the Dead's in my top three. Oh, it's great! I, I, no problem with that. Apparently, it just did not do well. So, people being like, "Oh my god, theater's full!" Like, somewhere in like some small town, the theater sold out. So, um, I I don't know. I, I was pretty happy with the season overall, I thought. Mm-hmm. I still think it's bullshit that they stole so much from Terminator 2. I think that that's not fair. <laughs> that final fight scene between Hopper and the Terminator was straight up the Terminator 2 fight scene. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what got me. When they when they killed the uh, dorky Russian guy. Yeah. Oh, Alexi, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's some bullshit. Yeah, what is it? I saw a meme that had like the four squares and then the top one was like Billy and it's like, Mr. Steal Your Girl. And then the next one was Steve. It was like, Mr. Steal Your Kids. The bottom one, 
don't remember what it was, but then the last one was Alexi. It was like, Mr. Steal Your Heart. It's like, oh, not Alexi. Come on. Yeah, when they, when they shot him, I got to say I was genuinely surprised. Mm. Then it turns out it didn't matter plot-wise because he just wrote down everything everyone else needed to know. <laughs> Pretty much. And apparently you can call that one dude's phone number. Yeah. And it gives you gives you hints about something. I don't know. Yeah, you don't even have to call it. There are dozens of websites that have replayed the recording for you. <laughs> It's just him saying he knows something and it, he really thinks that him and Winona Ryder should meet up to discuss it in person and not do it over the phone. Uh, I think I think my other favorite part of the whole season was uh, Hopper uh, just fucking going to town on the goddamn mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I can't do anything. <laughs> he just starts kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'll tell you what, though. Whenever he puts his finger in that scar getter, though, and starts pushing down on it, oh, like normally, like gory stuff doesn't get me, but stuff that, uh, like, I know what it feels like to accidentally cut your finger, <laughs> and that just imagining a blade pushing against like the bone, you'd be like, oh, no, no. Well, especially because he's not. It's not like he's like slamming his fist down on it. He's just putting pressure on it. That makes it even worse. It's real good torture. It's such an 80s thing, too, that like the good guy character beats the crap out of the mayor of the town to get him to like fall in line. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you gotta do. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm okay with it as long as, it, again, I'm okay with it in movies. Uh, so rumors are next season will probably be last season if not season five uh the duffer brothers had said a while ago that they had they had sort of mapped out like a four season plan but they could they could kind of move it to five if they really wanted to um yep. don't stretch it out if you don't have it already yeah so so are we sad that it may be ending soon like how do we feel um do it right that's my response. If there's good enough ideas to make more seasons, great. If there aren't, I mean, I think it's honestly, it was pretty clear from season three that they're running low on ideas and that they're all about just, I enjoyed season three. I thought it was fun to watch, but there's not a lot that it goes on here that matters. And considering how much, like there's this giant conspiracy with Russians and all this stuff. And you're like, yeah. And then like a kid figures out how to get through the vent. And it's over. And it's like, all right, they don't have a lot of ideas left in them for new monsters and new cool powers. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you can get away with a little while of just making 80s references, but how long can they just stretch that out? I'm just going to assume next season the creature's going to be called a beholder. We'll see. Okay. Is there a specific reason why? Just another random D&D monster. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. Oh, was anybody else shocked that uh, Mike's mom was going to cheat on her on his dad with fucking Billy? Oh, yeah. Shame on I her. I wasn't because it was the 80s. And in the 80s, like, that was just the thing. Moms would sleep with, like, the teenage boys in the neighborhood. That, was, that happened in your, up in Canada? No, it happened in... 
TV shows. Oh, okay. I was saying I lived in the wrong neighborhood, apparently. Oh, like, I don't know. Canada is a much more progressive country. I don't know what was going on with the moms and the teenage boys in my neighborhood in 1985. I was seven. I was watching First Blood over and over again on VHS until the tape broke. I don't know. If... I just have to assume they'd all be too polite to ask to have the affair. No, they would just say, please. Can you have an affair on your husband with me, please? Is the Canadian way to approach it. <laughs> please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.